0: Okay, so we've got two readings this morning. The first one is from um, John chapter 15, starting at verse 4. So John 15, well-known passage, starting at verse 4. So um, let's go there. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide, abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And there is a second reading too. You me just um, turn there. Um, The second reading is from 1 Corinthians 13, and we're doing verses 1 to 3. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith... So as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for your word to us, and we ask that you would speak to us uh, this morning. That you would reveal um, in the moment those things which you want us to grasp, to take hold of, those things that uh, from your word you want for us to apprehend um, with your spirit so that they produce in our lives, the very thing that they're calling us to. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's a question. Are you working? And I'm not talking about your job. Are you working? Do you work? Well, if we were to think about um, uh, an item or a device let's say, you know, a smartphone, something like that. If I was to say, is this working, then we would expect that when we tap the screen or however it works, that it would light up and we'd be able to flick to whatever we wanted to do. Because this job is the job of this phone. Actually, I'm quite cynical about the job of this phone. The job of this phone is to capture my attention and to never lose my attention. That's what Apple want me to do, okay? They are upfront about it, and that's why none of the Apple execs allow their children to have smartphones. Um, They design them to be addictive. That is the, you know, the purpose of the phone, you know, that's perhaps a cynical way of looking at it. We use it for all sorts of things. It might be to communicate, Uh, It might be to read the news, um, you know, whatever it is, or order some shopping, you know, you, you know what you can do on these things. And hopefully, the apps on our phone work. So the question, if I'm asking you whether you work, is, well, what is the purpose that is set before you? How has God designed you and created you? And what are the things that are meant to sort of come out of us when we live. And that's the sort of question we might want to ask if we're thinking about that question. So we might turn to Galatians, Galatians 5, because it speaks, of course, of the fruit of the Spirit. And so how we are working, if we want to know how we're working and what we're meant to do, well, let's put the fruits of the Spirit... Um, you know, in front of us and allow them to be a mirror against our lives. So what does love look like in your life right now? What does peace look like in your life right now? Or patience, or kindness, or gentleness, or faithfulness, or self-control? What do these things look like in our lives right now? One of the things I feel is if I want to know how I'm kind of, um, it's not about how I'm doing because it's not about performance, but it is about me going, how much am I reflecting the character of Jesus in my life today or in this moment? If I'm asking a question like that, I'm often probably finding myself not kind of hitting the standard. I don't know how that is for you, Um, but what I wanted to kind of talk about today, last week, if you were here or if you were watching um, online or you caught up later in the week, um, I shared a very simple message about effectively abiding in God, really. And it was, um, in a sense, the first part of a a short, simple two-parter around emotional and spiritual health. And so the way that we seek to grow spiritually, um, there are all sorts of ways we might do that. But I just shared one very simple thing last week, which was about abiding with God throughout the day. So not just having a a big, great, big brunch, if you think of it in terms of meals, a big, great, big brunch that I fill up on and fuel and live off that for the rest of the day, Um, and then by 6 p.m. I've sort of forgotten what I, you know, heard in my quiet time sort of thing. Rather than just adopting a model like that, what about smaller, sort of snack-type meals throughout the day? So, you know, you might have um, like 10 minutes, and in that 10 minutes have a bit of silence, a bit of scripture, scripture, ask the Lord for some... um, Uh, wisdom as you read the scriptures and to to lead you in in how to interpret it, Um, maybe using a devotional alongside it, um, and then some prayer and then ending with silence. A really simple thing like that. And you can take 10 minutes in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, before you go to bed, whenever it is. But the idea being not just to have everything in this one big meal, but to connect with God intentionally, so you know you're going to do it at the beginning of the day. You know, at 8.30 a.m., we're going to have 10 minutes. At 12 p.m. or 12.30 p.m., we're going to have 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it is. And so that we are regularly, intentionally, not because something's come up, because this is a pattern in our life. was so what Daniel did. We read it in uh, Daniel chapter 6 that three times a day he, he prayed. Um, we looked at... Um, I'm going to forget who it was. The other chap I looked at—it was, it was David, wasn't it? I think I was talking about David, who who talks, uh, had seven. It was David. Psalm 100 and longest psalm, 19, 119. It was Psalm 119, verse 145. Seven times a day, he uh, intentionally connected with God um, for a few minutes. Uh, we don't know exactly how long he did it for, but to Posture his heart, um, his spirit towards the Lord. And that was what I was sharing about last week. I want to sort of go a little bit further this week. And that's all about building our relationship with God, knowing who he is in any given moment, and ensuring that we have what we need from him so that in all the interactions we have with those around us, whether it's, whether it's work, uh, whether it's stuff we're doing in the community or stuff we're volunteering with or whatever it might be, whether we're on furlough at home, um, whether you know we've had the children at home all year and that's been tough. Whatever it is, um, ensuring that we have enough of him within our spirit so that every time our buttons are pushed, our response looks like Jesus. And I just want to go further with that today. So here's the question again Are you working? Or are you broken? Or something along those lines? How much do we need to be aware of our own selves and our lack? And it's a really good question to ask. Um, One of the things that I want to encourage for all of us, and it's something that uh, I guess I've shifted my position on over the years of being a believer, is this thing that it's so easy to beat myself up, metaphorically, obviously, when I get something wrong. So let's say... um, I don't know, I snap at the children because they're being children. And beautiful as that is, sometimes it can, you know, push your buttons. And so maybe if I'm not filled, if I'm not abiding in him, I might snap at the children. And, and I, in you know, times gone by, I'd have probably been almost sort of beating myself up for doing it. How could I be so unkind? You know, why can I not just be gracious in that moment? That's the wrong question. Every time I make a mistake like that, I just need to look at that as an opportunity because it's it's telling me something. Every time I am... If I am mean about someone, and I genuinely don't think I am very mean about people. I hope I'm not. Um, if you've heard me be mean about someone, please tell me. Um, but, or something like that, you know, uh, maybe I say a snide comment. It wouldn't be that. Um, but maybe I'll say a comment about something someone did, and actually the reason underneath it is trying to make myself look better than them. Okay, if I'm honest, brutally honest about it. So let's I've done something like that. Rather than beat myself up for not looking like Jesus, all I need to do is recognize that something in me is lacking. Something in me is not filled with him right now because I'm seeking something from somebody else that's not him. And actually, if I was more in tune and able to recognize that thing, is just a sign of lack the reaction would be oh Lord I'm so sorry here I am and taking a moment fill me fresh with your presence and just giving myself doesn't need to be long it, it you know it, it might be 30 seconds but there have come a point and I'll go there he is and I'll just be aware so that I'm not operating out of that. And I, I, I think we need to be quite um, laser-like with this stuff. So um, I think, and I am not in this place, but I think a believer walking into the room um, outside of, you know, some form of tragedy or something like that where there's been you know, there's obviously legitimate reasons why we may not be in this space. Outside of a legitimate reason like that, we should go into the room and be the most joyful people in the room, shouldn't we? Isn't that the obvious thing? Because what is joy? It's a fruit of the Spirit. And how many of us have got the Holy Spirit living inside of us? So shouldn't the fruit just naturally emanate out of us. You know, if we go into the room, shouldn't we be the most loving person in the room? The most kind person in the room? The most gentle person in the room? The most self-controlled person in the room? It's interesting that self-control is the last of the fruits. Because I think often you need that to ensure the other fruits have space to move. Um, Anyway, I'm not going on about the fruits of the Spirit. I'm just trying to open up a, not a dialogue, because we can't really do that, but a a discourse, really, to get us thinking about this stuff. Because where I sort of want to go today is thinking about, um, you know, the emotional health piece. So what does it look like to be the most emotionally healthy person in the room? And, you know, that's not about a competition. You know, if we're all in the room, we should all be the most emotionally healthy people in the room together and have a, I don't know, a joy fest, a love fest, whatever. Pick the fruit of the spirit that is there. But there is something where, for some reason in the life of the church, and if you look at the way some of us function at certain times, and we've all got different reasons, we've all got different pasts, we've got things that affect our character, things that affect our personality, things that affect our ability to be present in any given moment. You know, if I've had um, a difficult conversation with Dolly, um, you might call it an argument, um, If if I've had uh, a disagreement with Dolly before I've gone to a meeting, um, you know, I might just not feel as present as I might be otherwise. Because I'm actually processing what's happened. I'm feeling sad that that stuff's happened and, you know, maybe we didn't, um, I didn't leave the house in, in the perfect relational dynamic that I wished I had left it in. Probably wouldn't have been a total mess. Um, But I might have not, you know, that feeling of just, it's not fully resolved yet. And yet, here I am in the world, I've got to work, I'm I'm meeting a couple who I'm about to marry or something like that, and I'm just not feeling present. And something about that, in a sense, it's not really fair to the people I'm now meeting because I'm bringing my junk into the room. Now, that's really normal, right? That's, That's kind of what we do. Um... But Jesus is really clear, isn't he, in John 15. Um, He says this. Sorry, I've jumped down into John 13. Here we are. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So, When we abide in him, how do we know? Because the fruits of the Spirit are flowing out of us easily. Because we're abiding in him. And so that means that our patience, um, which comes from love, if you're not thinking of it as an actual sort of fruit, but patience should be huge because I'm abiding in the Holy Spirit. And therefore, in that moment, or abiding in Jesus in that moment, nothing that my children do, however loud and potentially annoying that might be in my worst moments, however um, noisy it is, or inconvenient it is, um, or distracting, or whatever it is, um, if I'm abiding in him, my my sort of ability to get angry will not surface because patience will be in the fore because love is alive and my self-control, that fruit of the Spirit, is functioning. So if I'm abiding, then these things should be operational through me. Does that make sense? I know this is really simple, but I'm just trying to illustrate it because we so easily get into a funk, don't we? Funk, I said. Um, uh, We so easily can find ourselves irritated or fed up or disappointed. Uh, That's a slightly different one, but often when we're disappointed, it's because of something that affects us. It's usually because we're offended with somebody or something like that. And actually, we are called to a higher standard. If we want to see 2033 come into fruition in a real way, we need to be a people that manifests the fruits of the Spirit regularly, predominantly, more often than not, and hopefully they become You know, the the dominant um, disposition, if you like, of how we live. And Jesus is really clear that, um, you know, it's simply by abiding in him that our fruit grows. He goes on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, he doesn't mean you can't do anything, does he? He doesn't mean you can't, you know, go and play football He doesn't mean you can't uh, go to the bank and exchange money or whatever. Because he's talking about character. Apart from me, you will not function in the fruits of the Spirit, um, is is what he's speaking about here. By this my Father, verse 8, by this my Father is glorified... That you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. What does he expect of his disciples? That we bear much fruit. Now, I haven't checked the, the nuances of the word fruit just there. But I think he's using a play on words here. So there's the, the fruit of the Spirit itself, which is all our character. And then there's the fruit of what our lives produce. So, you know, as uh, branches in the vine, will will produce fruit, which can be character, but it can also be, you know, what our interactions with others lead to. My hope is that every person who engages with me ends up leaving their time with me with more hope and with more sense of life hopefully more joy, than when they started talking to me. That's my goal. It doesn't always happen. I'll be very honest about that. But it's what I set myself to. Because surely we want, um, and it's right for us to want this, that people are impacted in a positive way towards the Father, towards Jesus, by their interactions with us, whether they know Jesus or not. Um I had a phone call with someone the other day who was in a complete mess, um, total, total mess and um, uh, and she called me and and I said to her on the phone um, I said, Listen, in everything that we're about to talk about because she was just about to share some some deep things from what she was struggling with and I said my goal in this is that you finish this call with hope and that that hope will enable you to get through this journey that you're in right now. And then we had a really long phone call and I'd, I'd scheduled half an hour. And then as I was on the call going, oh, when am I going to do my sermon? <laughs> um, this is last weekend, not this, for this weekend. Um, I'm like, oh, my time's going. What am I going to do? And I thought of John 15. Um, And I thought, no, I need to be present. And in the end, the phone call was two and a half hours. And, um, you know, sometimes these things happen, don't they? And I'm like, oh, when am I going to get that back? And I'm not angry with her. It was my choice to give her that time. Um, And that's, you know, a victorious version. (laughs) There are plenty that aren't. But um, but the point is, it's so easy to be focused on me and my immediate world, and put that first, and we're called to something else. So John, uh, not John, uh, one Corinthians thirteen. So I just got to dial it in. Oh, my app crashed. Look at that. It's not working. Just what I said earlier. We know what it says, don't we? But I'd I'd rather... This is why paper is so much better sometimes. Oh, come on. Finding. Yes! Yes! Patience. I have patience. I'm just giving you an opportunity to enjoy it too. Okay. So if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, now this is this whole thing. Um, I spoke a few weeks ago about the issues around um, thinking that the supernatural or the spiritual is better than the physical or the human. It's not. And we can't go around thinking it. Um, and Paul addresses it a lot through his letters. That the, the spiritual and the human, or the spiritual and the physical, are equally important. Okay, and uh, he, he talks about it here. So he's talking here, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, so my supernatural life, la you know, praying in the spirit and just giving it everything I've got, if that is alive and well... But have not love. My interaction with my human brothers and sisters um, is not functioning. then I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So you can have all the what looks like the perfect relationship with God, um, the, the, you, know, the vertical dynamic. Um, My relationship with God, miracles happening, whatever it is, looking incredible. But if my brother over here um, is struggling because of something I've done, now there is definitely a nuance to this, because I might might have made a decision that he didn't like, but there was nothing wrong in that decision. But I've communicated it and they don't like it. Uh, As long as I've communicated it well, then that's not on me. Because clearly, people interpret things in ways that aren't necessarily accurate or right. But they might have um, a reason to feel upset with me because of the way I've done it. And if I then don't deal with that, then this is just not really real. Because this requires this, if that makes sense. my connection with god requires that i love my brothers and sisters in front of me no matter how much they might hurt me no matter how much they might do something that challenges the very core of my being because of how wrong i think it is or you know how how justified i feel about my reaction if anyone had a reason to choose to justify their reaction to anyone, it was Jesus on the cross, but he loved and he never stopped loving. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he said those words from the cross when the crowd around him had basically pinned him up there. So Here's the thing, really, What, and this is the simplicity of where I want to go with this, is I think we're probably all very aware of our own weaknesses. We probably don't need somebody to point them out. Sometimes we may need some help seeing them. Um, there are times, certainly in a marriage relationship, uh, there are times where, you know, things come up and I... have do something in a different way to Dolly and, you know, we probably need a conversation around it. Um, And there's probably stuff in me that's, you know, just not right about it. And it's absolutely appropriate for her to come and say, hey, when you did that, this is how I felt. Um, And then, you know, we work out where we go with that. But um, most of us probably have a good awareness of where our weaknesses lie. But what I want to encourage, and this is an emotionally healthy approach to this stuff, is don't beat yourself up about it. If, if you're, you know, let's say you get something wrong, whatever it is, your area of weakness, um, and it's happening, it's a sort of pattern. If you beat yourself up about it, which means, you know, I just mean you're hard on yourself, and you go, oh, you idiot, why did you do that again? Or or even going, oh, my gosh, I'm just so weak, I can't do this. Um, There's nothing wrong with recognizing weakness. But there is something wrong with maintaining a discourse on that weakness. Because if you focus on the weakness, you're just going to perpetuate the weakness. And you won't break the cycle, and you will just keep on doing it because your focus is not on the true you. The focus is on the broken you and you're not meant to focus on the broken you. Jesus doesn't. So why do you? Why do I? That's not our job. Our job when we muck up is to boldly approach the throne of grace. Thessalonians. Uh, we're to boldly approach the throne of grace. It's not the throne of judgment. It's the throne of grace. And the Lord forgives, of course. But it's not just about that. It's, it's about knowing right now I'm, the fullness of the fruits of the Spirit are not functioning through me. That means I'm in need. That means I need a drink of... Fro- I, please hear what I'm saying. A drink of the Lord. That could have gone really... uh, That could have gone interpreted really badly, couldn't it? Jim's encouraging everyone to get drunk on booze. No, he's not. Uh, You know, to drink in his presence. I use the language of drinking because, um, you know, Peter uses it uh, at Pentecost. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Why does he use the language of drinking? Because they looked drunk when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, So, um, but yeah, and and of course, there's all the language about the fountain of life, the water of life. We drink it in. And so I need more of his presence. I need to be aware of his presence around me but in me and it's so important that we have these um, times in the day that I can access his presence not relying on my my family or my friends to feel better about myself Um, or to go oh they're there. Um, You know sometimes if, if I'm having a moment where I'm not feeling so great because I'm, I don't know, I've done something silly or something. Um, I might share it with Dolly, hoping for a there, there. And quite rightly, she'll say, well, what are you going to do about it? And it's not the most comfortable question, but it's the right question. And because the onus is on me, who has the self-control? Well, I do but if it's not functioning very well, I've got to get back in his presence. Father, here I am. Now, I don't just mean a crazy woo, although that's great, and, and we all need an infilling of the Holy Spirit that, you know, um, that we feel physically at some point. You know, that's, that's a beautiful part of our journey, and some people have it a lot more than others, and I'm not saying one is right or wrong, But I am just saying to stop, literally to stop and go, here I am. I need you. And then just to shut up can be the hardest thing to do in God's presence. But to silence myself before him and go, here I am, Lord. And nothing else. And just wait. The more I do that the more I notice the fruits of the Spirit operating through me. I'm more patient, I'm more gentle, I'm more kind. You know, all those things function through me. Um, I saw on Facebook, um, I very rarely go on Facebook. If if any of you have tried to contact me on Facebook, please don't be offended if it takes me a month to get back to you, because I I only check it like once a month. and um, anyway, I went on um, this weekend for some reason, I forget why, and um, one of my friends, nobody that you would know, but one of my friends who's in London, um, had written something about judgment, a Christian. Um, uh, why do people think it's so wrong to judge? And then she put up the verse from 1 Corinthians 5, For I think it's 5, um, for do you not know it is your role to judge those inside the church? And that was their thing. I just saw that and I went, oh. I, it, broke, it broke me. Because there's somebody, you know, and I, I know this person, so I know them quite well. And I just thought, I'm so gutted that that is what they're putting out there. Why, why not put, um, and, and I, I wrote a very gracious. Um, comment um, to her explaining why we don't all go, well, it's our role to judge the church. Um, And it's very simple because it works like this. Um, There is a place for us to judge the church, but the foundation of it is love. And if you're judging someone outside of love, you are in a bad, bad place and you cannot do it. We are not invited into that. But if through experiencing the Father's love and operating out of his love, that requires an element of judgment to help someone into a better place, we can very carefully start to move into that role. But it has to be on a foundation of love. And that love will determine how that judgment plays out in that person's life um, or through that person. Does that make sense? So if you separate judgment from love, you're going to be more than a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You're going to be a voice piece for Satan. That is how bad judgment is. And, you know, there's plenty that Jesus says about why you know, why do you look at the speck in somebody else's eye when you've got a whopping great big plank in your own eye and it's so big, the plank, that you can't even see it so you're going around judging people. And a lot of people feel it's their right to judge the church and I'm like, you have no right to do anything of the sort until you love the church. Until you love the body of Christ, you have no right uh, to challenge the body of Christ. And and certainly, we see that in the life of Jesus. Okay, we need to wrap up. My big thing that I want us to take away from this is very simple again. And I've already said it. It's just this. When you recognize weakness operating through you, please don't beat yourself up about it. Move on. Boldly and quickly approach the throne of grace. Receive his yes, say sorry to the Lord, receive his forgiveness, receive his grace, and allow that grace to you know the thing about receiving grace it's so important that we receive his grace because when we receive his grace, we show his grace to others um, there's so many um, and there's a lot of it around at the moment. Um, stuff in, in the life of the, sort of the global church where there's so much lacking in grace. And, you know, you have to have a certain opinion. So you have to be, you know, fully, like the coronavirus is a pandemic type thing. Um, and if you don't believe that, you're not a full-on Christian. I'm like, what on earth are you talking about? Um, or, or the other extreme, you know, um, you know, the reality is, everyone has a different approach. Everyone has a different opinion, and that's okay. And we've got to be okay with that. And, you know, loving our brothers and sisters means recognizing that their opinions are valid. And, you know... Oh, I don't want to go into that, because it's not what I wanted to share. But it's just its just this thing of... Um, Receiving his grace is so important because as we receive his grace, we receive strength to operate in the fullness of the fruits of the Spirit. And it really is simple. If we want to be an emotionally healthy people, of course, we might be stuck on some things that have happened to us in our past and we might need help. And that's okay Um, We might need, potentially, it could be prayer ministry. We might need counseling. We might need psychotherapy. It could be any number of things that we need that enable us to, um, you know, find that freedom. Or it could be a a miraculous prayer or something. So, you know, hear this in, in that context. But in the process of growing emotionally healthy, one thing I will say to you is this it's not just going to happen to you. It will not happen unless you invest. It will not happen unless you take responsibility. And that's perhaps one of the key things here. Um, Danny Silk, some of you will have heard his name. He's a pastor um, and he he is the senior pastor in terms of overseeing all the pastoral ministry that works through um, Bethel Church in America. Um, He talks about people being powerful. Now, that's a word that doesn't really translate brilliantly um, into our culture. Um, But basically, what it means is taking responsibility for you. I am responsible for me, and you are responsible for you. So, um, it is my job to ensure that I am present in any given situation, that I am loving, and patient, and kind, and all of the stuff. Um, that's on me. Um, um, and I need to ensure that I receive what I need from the Father so that I can look like the Son. And that's really what Jesus is saying uh, to my mind in, in John 15. Um, and typically, I'm <laughs> still in 1 Corinthians, so... Got this, um, right. It's worked nice and easy this time, good. So if you hear it again, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Um, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And of course you know, he, he ends that whole kind of discourse by saying this is my commandment, that you love one another. And love, of course, looks like something. And I know, you know, I think one of the things that we probably need to be careful of is how we interpret other people's actions. Um, Because so often we'll interpret them through our own journey of what, you know, what we were hoping for. So if I was hoping, let's say, if I was hoping that somebody would come round on my birthday and give me a little present, for example, and that didn't happen. And I'd hoped it, but there was no communication around it, no expectation whatsoever. You know, I have no right to be offended with that individual. I just don't. And, and it would be wrong for me to do that. Um, and it's a silly example, probably, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's so easy to interpret other people's actions by our understanding rather, that, rather than interpreting them by their intentions. And so, we do need to be careful with this. But our responsibility is what we do when those things happen to us. So, if I was expecting somebody to do something and they didn't do it, whether it was communicated or not, whether they messed up or not, my responsibility is to look after this. I'm the one who needs to make sure that I don't create bitterness or, um, you know, uh, allow bad feelings to surface in my relationship with this person. That's on me. Now, I can go to them and say, hey, when you didn't do what you said you were going to do, I found that really difficult because of this. And I'm absolutely within my rights to do that if there's an expectation that's already been set. Um, but the dealing with my heart is my responsibility. And I need to extend that grace and that forgiveness um, straight away. I will just one proviso before we close. I realize, you know, if, you're, if you've got a relational dynamic where there is something happening over and over and over again um, and it's not changing... That is a slightly different situation. So, you know, if um, you have a family member who is consistently letting you down, um, then probably you need a different approach to deal with that situation. And I'm not talking about that, and I'm not going to go into that. My hope and my heart is that I become so much more emotionally healthy than I am right now. And my hope is that we all do that together. And um, one of the things we're going to do as a church, uh, we're going to offer, um, is, uh, and some of you know about this, um, but I, I mentioned it a- briefly last week, but we're going to invite you all at some point on a journey into, uh, to explore spiritual health and emotional health. And we've got a really good um, training kind of journey really it's a course really um, to help us go through that process Um, and um, you know because we really want to help and strengthen our ability as the people of God to look like Jesus and so that's what we're going to do we're doing it internally right now we're literally about to take the whole staff team through um, part of this um, starting in a couple of weeks Um, But uh, but we are going to roll that out further um, as time goes on. So I'm not quite sure when we're going to do it. But um, if we start talking about emotionally healthy discipleship or emotionally healthy spirituality or emotionally healthy relationships, that's what we're talking about, that kind of journey that we're going to invite everyone to be a part of at some point soon. So... um, uh, you know, be aware that that is something we want to bring in um, and invite you to participate on, um, and there's some really good uh, couple of books that go with it to help us sort of process some of this stuff. Let me pray, and um, I know it's been really simple, the messages last week and this week, and, um, but it's felt like, you know, it's just literally opening up uh, a conversation but we're get, we're going to provide a lot more around this over the next year, so uh, we can go a lot further with it and and our prayer as the leaders here is that we all grow through that really well so let's pray Heavenly Father, as we um, as we come before you right now, as we recognize areas in our life where we we need victory we recognize areas that perhaps we're weaker in or we wish we were stronger in and we haven't arrived at the place we want to be with those things right now we invite you to take us on that journey that means that we are able to more readily and more consistently draw on your very presence in any given moment so that our ability to forgive, so that our ability to be gracious and loving, to be kind and gentle, to be faithful and good and uh, operate with self-control, to be peaceful, to be joyful, and Lord, all the fruits of the Spirit and all the way that love is unpacked as well in 1 Corinthians 13, those areas where we we just wanna look more like Jesus. As we embark on that journey as a church family together, may we be a people who champion and encourage one another along the way. But may we, Lord, recognize our desperate need to practice your presence, to, to recognize your presence at moments in the day, to intentionally take those times that refocus both our spirit, our mind, and our soul so that filled with your power, filled with your spirit, we would be able to approach every situation in our lives operating with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Let's just take a moment now. Um, We can literally grow our spiritual heart just by reflecting on the goodness of God. So let's just take a moment, just now, to remember before God his goodness. Either something he's done in your life that you're thankful for, or something he's done for all mankind that you're thankful for. Let's remember his goodness, just for a minute, in the quiet.